1: You know what's You know what's Taz and Moose. Hey. All right, coming to you live Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loan Studios. Home is more than a house, it's a personal paradise. Get yours with Rocket Mortgage. Push button, get mortgage. Mark Melusas, Andrew Bogush, Taz is off here on this Thursday morning. Let's welcome aboard right now David Deal, two time Super Bowl champion with the Giants and NFL analyst, WFAN in New York. See him on giant post game shows as well. Does it all, David? Uh, good morning, happy Thursday
2: morning to you, brother. Thanks for the time. Hey, happy Thursday morning, Moose and Andrew. How you doing, my brother? Uh, we're up, doing David? well.
1: We're doing good, David. And, and a lot to get into. You know, curious about the the Thursday night affair tonight, right? And I w- I want to hear from your perspective because you know I, I you know I don't love the Thursday night product. Andrew doesn't love the Thursday night product. From a, from a player's perspective, though, you've heard a number of complaints here. You know, how difficult of a physical turnaround? You know, you know it. You played a very physical offensive line. You played hurt, banged up. I mean, you were as tough as they come, David. How difficult of a turnaround is it for the players to come back on a short week and play on a Thursday night?
2: It is one of the toughest things to do as a player, especially when you become a veteran and you're older and it takes a little bit of the time to recover. When you're in your 20s, You know, when you're 22, 23, 24, you know, you're recovering after a Sunday game by Tuesday. As you get older, that's creeping into Wednesday, Thursday, and sometimes into Friday. And I would say this to people. The two games that I went into a game feeling the worst physically I've ever felt were Thursday night games. We played the Broncos on Thanksgiving one year. And in 2013, my last year playing in the NFL, we played the Philadelphia Eagles on Sunday, the week before, went to OT and had 79 offensive snaps, then had to turn around, go to Chicago, and play in Chicago on Thursday. I literally was like draped in Tiger Balm from head to toe, hoping <laughs> that it would make me feel better out there, because it is. It's difficult to get ready for these games. Not only, the one thing that you do like is preparation-wise, It's easy. You're simplifying your game plan. You're running what you do best. And you hope that you have a veteran team that can react and adjust to things on the fly and be more adept to it. But physically, it's so hard.
0: And, David, along those same lines, I would think you'd want no part of a 17-game schedule then, right?
2: No chance. I mean, when you watch some of these games, Moose, you and I have talked about this, when you get to Week 15, 16, and 17, Some of these games you're watching are like the battle of attrition. Teams are just trying to fill their roster. They're pulling guys off of the street for special teams. And it's one of the toughest things to watch is when you're watching a product that's not that good. In 2003, my rookie season, I'll never forget. Week 17, we're playing the Carolina Panthers. At this point, Jim Fossil already knows that he's no longer going to be the head coach of the Giants. And we have 23 players on injured reserve. So we go out there, and we're doing the old lower back stretch. I go to my left, I'm fine. I go to my right. I have somebody stretching right next to me that I have never seen before in my life. <laughs> and I'm not kidding. I literally have never seen this person before in my life. It was me, actually. <laughs> we, <laughs> I should have known. <noticed. laughs> but we signed him on Saturday, and he was starting on our special teams on Sunday. That's, That's not a product you want out of the field.
1: No, that is not. You're right about that, David. Um, you know, the, uh, a huge talking point certainly yeah. has been, uh, you know, uh, about the officiating. You know, uh, David, do you think it's as big of a problem as uh, people in the media
2: and some fans are making it out to be? No, I actually don't. I think that we're just paying more attention to it now after the Rams Saints game. That's the thing that really picks up is when you had so much attention around one play that they're going to completely change the rules that the coaches wanted, mind you, not the referees. The coaches wanted this change to this pass interference rule. It's absolutely ridiculous. I just think that we're paying way more attention to it because of all of the incidents and all of the talking points that have happened since that Saints-Rams game. And you almost feel like The referees are almost petitioning the rule, and that's why they're not overturning the calls. I mean, watching that Giants game up against New England last Thursday night, it was a clear pass interference on Golden Tate, but they're sticking with the rule and the call on the field, and they're not changing it. So I just think that there's so much more emphasis, and we're paying so much more attention to it. But if you go back and you look at last year, you remember the first five, six weeks, The lowering of the helmet, how much that was thrown, and then they finally adjusted it. I just think we're paying more attention to it this year than we ever have before. So last year was lowering the head. This year it was pass interference and offensive holding. Those were the emphasis things that the NFL referees were coming into the league with. So you almost know that as a player on Sunday or on Saturday nights before the game, you know, you usually know what officiating crew you have okay, this is crew is number one in holding, number two in pass interference. Do so you know what these referees are looking for when you're going into that game.
0: David, I want to go back to the game tonight. Uh, the Chiefs have lost two in a row, and maybe the main theme through those two losses is they're just getting crushed in terms of time of possession. Um, is that more about their offense not staying on their field or the defense not getting off the field in your mind?
2: That's 100% of keeping Patrick Mahomes off of the field. I mean, when you have an offense like this that can strike and can put up major points, your whole goal and objective is control the time of possession and limit the amount of snaps that they can have offensively. I mean, go back to 2007 when we played the Patriots in Super Bowl forty-two. Our opening drive was nine minutes. That was one of our goals was we need to control the time of possession and keep Tom Brady off of the field. I remember going back and then watching the tape after, and what did you see? You just saw him pacing the sidelines, wanting to get out there. That's what you need to do as an offense when you're facing a juggernaut like the Chiefs have on the offensive side of the ball. You've got to control the time of possession. You've got to make sure that you win third downs. And the big thing is is 3-2-1 is a rule that we always say. No more than three penalties by the offense, two by the defense, won by the special teams. If you stick to those rules up against a great offense like this, this is what gives you an opportunity to win, like we've seen the through the you know, the 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 blueprint that we've seen through the Detroit Lions and from the Indianapolis Colts up against this Chiefs team.
1: You know, uh, David, uh, to San Francisco we go next. How about the 49ers here? You know, th- they sent a message last week when they went into Los Angeles and just beat up on the Rams. I mean, Goff having under 100 yards, 100, under 80 yards passing on the game. They go on the road. It's not a matchup against Washington. I mean, they'll beat Washington and should do it decisively. But are you a 49er believer in terms of what they showed last week and that this organization and this team has arrived?
2: I'm a Kyle Shanahan believer. The way that he's able to dial up game plans for his offense, for his running back, considering the fact both of his starting offensive tackles are out, I mean, it says a lot about him for the way that he's able to scheme strengths and weaknesses of his players, you know, sometimes going two tight ends, sometimes going three tight ends. I mean, figure, you had Staley, McGlinchey, and Juszczyk all out of that game last week. Those are your three best blockers on the offensive side of the ball. So when you're able to still tailor game plans to that and run the football effectively, regardless of which running back's in there, says a lot about your offensive coordinator. That's what's going to scare me a little bit down the road for this 49ers team. You know, Staley's out for the year with his fibula. McGlinch will be back with his knee. But how long will they be able to sustain on the offensive side of the ball without those two guys? And I guess effectively they remind me of our 07 and 11 teams, the way that they can rotate on the inside. They can move defensive edge to the defensive tackle position going up against the guard, which we used to call the NASCAR package. So you got a sm- a fast on a big and the way that Bose is playing his rookie season. It's nothing but encouraging. But the thing that, like I said, that still scares me is just offensively the fact that they don't have both of their offensive tackles currently.
0: Uh, I guess the flip side of that question, David, is how worried are you about the Rams after that loss on Sunday?
2: I mean, I definitely am worried about the Rams. Obviously, they went out and made a huge trade for Jalen Ramsey. You know, Wade Phillips is trying to get back to his Super Bowl Broncos team where they can rush the quarterback, play press man on the outside, and get after the quarterback. That's something that you're not getting with Marcus Peters. Marcus Peters needs to be a, a off-zone coverage corner. That's not what Wade Phillips wants to do. And with the magnitude of everything that the Rams have going and what they can possibly be, Jalen Ramsey could be that missing piece because that split second longer that that quarterback holds the football, that's all it takes for Aaron Donald to get home and get a quarterback set or a quarterback hit. So I I think that they've obviously taken their lumps. I don't think that they're going to have a full Super Bowl hangover like we've seen in the past. But I do think that they do worry you some. When you look at offensively, them not running the football effectively. Todd Gurley, we really don't know his health status. And the big thing for their offensive line was last week, once again, they had two new starters in there. And figure this is a completely uh, rebuilt group on the inside. Roger Saffold, their best left guard last season and their best offensive lineman is on Tennessee and then figure Sullivan's not playing center for him either. So you know it was going to take some time and some cohesion for them on the inside, but you didn't think it would take this long.
1: Mark Melusis, Andrew Bogus chatting here with David Deal, two-time Super Bowl champion with the Giants NFL analyst, WFAN in New York, Giants postgame shows all over the place. Hey, David, one of the fascinating matchups this weekend I'm looking forward to is Colts and Texans out in Indianapolis. Last time we saw Indy, They're imposing their will on Kansas City. Can they do the same thing on Houston this weekend at home that they did on Kansas City? Win at the point of attack and kind of minimize the impact of the dynamic Deshaun Watson at quarterback.
2: Well, that's what they're going to have to do if they're going to want to win this football game. Obviously, the way that the Texans are playing on the defensive side of the ball, eighth against the run, their run defense, to allow them to get after quarterbacks and get after them opposing with Watt, Merciless, and the rest of the group. But the problem is, is even though they can get after it in the run game, when you look at them in third down, they're 26th in the NFL, the Texans, on the defensive side of the ball. So if this Colts offense that we've seen go in there, which is fourth and rushing, that is third and giving up the least amount of sets, can be productive on first and second down, that's what's going to allow them to impose their will and dictate the tempo of the football game up against the Texans. And believe it or not, I actually believe the Colts are going to win this game.
0: David, it's a sad day around here with his retirement. Uh, What will you remember most about Brock Osweiler?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I guess the fact that he, uh, he went in and and was able to rob money from NFL owners without wearing a ski mask. Is
1: that a good enough answer? That's good. Yeah. That That is a good answer. Uh, uh, uh David, curious about the Browns here. Um, you know, Beckham, they bring him in, you know, the dynamic wide receiver from the Giants. They had Landry. You know, Mayfield's really struggled. You've seen some issues in terms of Kitchens as a first-year head coach in the National Football League. You know, for the, for the Brown fan that is really concerned about this team and where they are right now, and certainly with the second-year quarterback, Baker Mayfield, what would be the message here for the Browns right now?
2: I would say uh, I would be concerned if I was a Browns fan. You know, you had all these expectations coming in to this football season, yet when you look back, this is a team that was barely 500 up against 500 teams. So you had to go in not believing the hype. And that we always say talk is cheap, play the game. It comes down to winning games on Sundays. And for the Browns, you hope offensively, for Baker Mayfield's sake and for their sake, Get back to your damn identity. We know last season the success of your offense went going through Nick Chubb, a running game, and getting play action off of it. Baker Mayfield plays his best when he's rolling, when he's anticipating, and when he's reacting, and not when you have him in shock and sitting there overthinking everything and trying to make the perfect throw and hit everybody in stride. That's not his game. You need him to be the loose cannon type of player, and the only way to do that is, is to establish a run game with Nick Chubb because that's where will settle down and ease their offensive line, which isn't a good one, into games so they can be aggressive and provide the amount of protection Baker Mayfield and this offense needs to be successful.
0: David, could you see Freddie Kitchens being one and done as a head coach?
2: I mean, it's a possibility. I mean, we've seen it before. We saw it last season. So I don't think that that's something that you can rule out based upon – we heard all off season. well, I'm going to let guys be their own identity. I'm going to let guys be their own personality. Well, what happens now when adversity hits and that personality might start disrupting the locker room? That's what you really have to worry about, and that's what a first-year head coach has to worry about. It's not just what he was, was an offensive play caller. Now you're, you're in charge of that locker room. You're in charge of everything, and your duties are much more than just dialing up game plans. And sometimes people can handle it, and sometimes people can't.
1: Hey, David, we all know Belichick's the best coach in the National Football League. I'll tell you this, you know, the guy that's right behind him, and I know it might be a little bit of a distance, the job that Pete Carroll has done up in Seattle... Um, the ageless wonder. I mean, it is it is unbelievable. People get on him for being mister Ra Rah-Rah Sisboombah. I mean, but he is able, and he got to have players, and Wilson's playing like an MVP of the league this year. But the adjustments that he and his staff make... Uh, based on personnel losses, is really miraculous. He's done an unbelievable job up in Seattle.
2: He really has. And, you know, people always say that, well, that rah-rah system boss If you've ever sat down with Pete Carroll, that's who he is. That's what type of person he is, 24 hours a day, 365 days a week. So when you can reinvent yourself as a coach like that, be the oldest head coach in the NFL, which is crazy to think about, because you'd never think of that when you see him during a game, and be able to adjust and talk to veteran players and younger players. Not many people can do that. Think about when he took off his shirt with D.K. Metcalf after yes. they drafted yes. him. What other coach would do that? But Metcalf was laughing. Younger guys get involved in it, and he can get in a locker room and motivate guys week in and week out. So you may believe, oh, well, it's all hype. It isn't. That's who he is all the time. He's got a great birthday. We both were born on September 15th, and we celebrated a birthday together. <laughs> so I, I've got nothing but respect for what Pete Carroll has done in Seattle.
0: And and this is almost an entirely second act up there. I mean, Russell is still there, obviously, and some other holdover guys, but they come off the Super Bowl loss, and the defense kind of slowly falls apart. And they have to get rid of some guys and bring new people in. And now they didn't necessarily go all the way down to the studs, um, but he's brought them back up to being an elite team in the NFC again.
2: Absolutely. I mean, you think about the whole Legion of Boom being completely gone because at some point, after you pay everybody at the same time, as they get older, you're going to start releasing them and you've got other areas of concern of where you got to spend that money. So I think that both uh, him and John Schneider, the GM, have done a tremendous job in Seattle, you know, starting from scratch, rebuilding, but throughout that time, it wasn't like Seattle was getting killed offensively or defensively just because of the sheer way that Russell Wilson was able to play and Bobby Wagner on the defensive side of the ball.
1: You know, final one for me, David, is this Lions-Vikings this weekend in Detroit. Uh, Number one, do you think Cousins has turned a corner a little bit mentally uh, with the way that he's played the past couple weeks and had a really good game this past week at home against Philadelphia? And this lion team should i mean they should not have lost the game against the Packers. they should have beat the chiefs. I mean they might be you know right now instead of being you know a team that 's sitting there at two two and one, they really should be four oh and one this year patricia 's you know second year they 've been you know he 's done a really nice job this year so far Matt Patricia has
2: they really have especially when you look at how much the defense has, has changed and upgraded on that side of the ball i mean that was their big issue was them. On the defensive side of the ball, making sure that they were getting people off of the field, getting takeaways, and in the red zone, they were just getting salvaged last year. But the way that they were able to bounce back, I mean, you talked about it. They should have won that game in Arizona. They shouldn't settle settled it with a tie. But you know, offensively, their whole big thing for the Lions is having an effective run game to take away some of the pressure for Matthew Stafford and Kenny Galladay. That's the whole big thing that you know that the Lions have to do offensively to aid their defense because their defense doesn't have a lot of depth and they're not real thick uh, in regards to how many people that they can interchange. A lot of times you're watching defensive lines and it's almost like hockey line shifts, two in, two out, three in, three out. They don't have that depth now. That's why it's important for the offense to control the time of possession. And let's For me, I want to see it out of Kirk Cousins for a long, extended period of time because you could say, well, over the last two games he's thrown six touchdowns to one interceptions, well the first four he threw three touchdowns and two interceptions and wasn't near as well as what he looked these last two weeks so i want to see the whole body of work but as time tells and as history tells when it comes to those big games kirk cousins does not have it
1: hey david great stuff as always uh i'll see you on sunday for the show on the fan and uh, enjoy the rest of your thursday all right
2: Thanks, you guys, too. Have a great one, Moose.
1: Nice talking to you, Andrew. Same here, David. You got it. David Deal, two-time Super Bowl champion with the Giants, uh, NFL analyst. That is Friend a of the story. Moose. Oh, that is a great story. How about the fact he's lining up doing his pregame stretches, <laughs> looks over his left, sees the guy he's going, looks yeah. over his right, he's like, who the hell is this? And I
0: need him to help me win a football game <laughs> in a couple hours. Good times.
1: <laughs> well, come back. We got the three for you on this Thursday morning. It's Mark Malousis. It's Andrew Bogish, who's in for Taz. It's Taz and the Moose, CBS Sports Radio.
3: It's Taz and the Moose on CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to Taz and the Moose on CBS Sports Radio.
1: That's right, 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227. CBS Sports Radio's Toll Free Live brought to you by Geico. Great news, quick way you can save money. Switch to Geico, go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you can save 15% or more on your car insurance. Before we get to the three, here we go, bogus final update of the morning.
0: Take it away, brother. Moose, thank you so much. Here's your report sponsored by Progressive Insurance. This year, Progressive celebrates seven years and over 700 cars given to veterans, giving thanks by providing independence for those who protect it. Learn more at keystoprogress.com. The ALCS back on the field tonight. No more rain in New York, but it will be chilly and windy for the Yankees and the Astros. Houston leads the series two games to one. They start Zach Greinke tonight. Last night's rainout allowing the Yanks to bring back Masahiro Tanaka on regular rest instead of a bullpen game. These two might now play four times in four days in two cities. No worries though for Astros manager AJ e. Hinch.
3: We play four games in a row all the time during the season. So the from the from the beginning of this this stretch, it's not that daunting for us. We, we do it all the time. It's something that uh, players are equipped to handle. From the very beginning.
0: First pitch tonight in the Bronx at eight Eastern, seven o'clock for Game Five tomorrow. Moose mentions the end of hour number two. Joe Girardi stepping down as the skipper of the U.S. team that starts Olympic qualifying next month. Girardi doing that to focus on his next big league job. Maybe the Phillies, maybe the Cubs, maybe the Mets. Scott Brocious, by the way replaces Girardi with Team USA. Saints running back Alvin Kamara did not practice yesterday with an ankle injury. He might not practice at all this week, but he wants to play Sunday against the Bears. And Steelers QB Mason Rudolph now out of the league's concussion protocol. Mike Tomlin had already said Rudolph would be the starter once again once he's healthy. The Steelers on their bye this week. And breaking news from the NBA Moose, Wizards guard Bradley Beal reportedly signing a two-year, $72 million max extension that creates a four-year agreement worth 130 mil. I'm sure much, much more than that on the latest edition of Basketball Drives. I'm sure. With Mike Biscaglia. Yeah, we won't be touching that. Nope. i sorry. Why not? What do you eat after signing a two-year $72 million max extension?
1: That's a great question. Right? That is, I mean, that is a good question. I would probably go with a... uh, Boneless ribs, uh, pork fried rice special at the Chinese okay, restaurant.
0: Okay, look at you being efficient. Yes, that's what I probably go with. I might, I might splurge for like a steak. That <laughs> sounds
3: delicious, Moose. So I'm not gonna. That yeah. might be mine too. Yes,
0: maybe some flan.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yes. Is that Bowami speaking? <laughs> Flan's delicious.
1: Uh, by Bowami makes his uh, long anticipated debut tomorrow on a CBS Sports Minute.
0: <sighs> That's still happening, huh? It is happening. It's still a thing. Yes, we have to get something
1: cleared with Marinik, our program director, uh, which he had to work on before the show. We had to poke Bawami up, who was sleeping <laughs> in the corner, uh, but we were able to get him up and get him get him focused on. And so we worked that in um, a little bit of a musical variation. But that is happening tomorrow. You got to be excited, don't you, Bogus?
0: Mike, it seems like uh, all the things that made you and I back away from this project and wipe our hands of Buwami doing a minute, that all the things we saw as hurdles to Buwami doing a minute have all now become reality.
1: Yeah, I mean, like Moose just said, there's one more hurdle, and after that, uh, you know... Good We're going to clear
0: that hurdle. I firmly believe it. That, that minute airs at what time Tomorrow. One fifty 150 150. Eastern, 150. correct. So, 150 who, Eastern. so my the over under on someone being fired is what like two oh two Eastern time tomorrow. No, no one's going to get fired. We're getting it cleared by our bosses.
1: This is not us going rogue. You've gone rogue I so mean, far. When How's I money? mentioned, well, when I mentioned about Bawami doing it, Bisegli gave me a better shot of winning the hundred yard dash yeah. in the Olympics than Bawami appearing on a CBS Sports Minute. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, Bowami
0: is coming on a CBS Sports Minute. Who knew Moose could run? <laughs> it's still only Thursday. There is still more than 24 hours. And from what I heard, he's already rattled the production cages. Yes, yeah. he is. Yeah. He's poked the bear a little bit. Buwami's,
1: Zach can't stand him, by the way.
0: Zach Martin? Yes. Who cares? Yeah. I mean, yeah. really.
1: Zach can't stand him.
0: And I I He's care. tired of
1: Bawami's presence. The flowing robes, the wind.
0: Yeah, the I'm smoke. O- I'm overly sensitive, Moose. I want people to like me. I don't the I don't peace. need Zach to like me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm good either way.
1: Uh so tomorrow, Bawami, unless something unless something uh, you know, some last minute all of a sudden rug gets pulled out from yeah. underneath us, tomorrow Bawami will appear on the CBS. I, I know exactly
0: day. what's gonna happen. At twelve thirty five when my did. My day is normally over, and I'm finally ready to leave here after another another long, glorious week at CBS Sports Radio. They're going to come running down the hallway and going, who, who approved Buwami doing a sports minute? And I'm going to have to think of one to record to play at 150 because yeah. you'll be long gone doing God knows what with the, whatever former giant you hang out with on a Friday, You all all free and clear. And I'm going to have to scramble to be creative and record a minute to fit yeah. in for this Buwami disaster. I'll, I'll
1: protect you on that. I will do
0: two minutes tomorrow. Okay, I, I appreciate that.
1: I will do, so then I will do a regular minute,
0: and then we will do the minute with Bawami. Yeah, because you have one office of support. There are other offices with other people that could drop a knee on this project in a heartbeat. That You, you would hate f- this idea. Do I? Maybe I just hate Bawami. I want nothing good I mean, from you. Are, I've
1: never seen you this angry bogus. You're really not angry. And you it's, are, it's
0: selfish. I know this is going to fall on me to fix your craziness. No! I'm I, I, you I, I is will do,
1: as, as, as sure as I'm sitting here, I will do two sp- sports minutes tomorrow. We will do one where Bowami appears and we'll do a regular one. Okay. Thank you.
2: And Boami's unpredictable, too. So who knows if he's going to be around or what's exactly, going to happen. Exactly.
1: Boami might be bothered by the fact that I have to do a, a mock CBS Sports Minute just in case his minute doesn't get cleared. The ego with this Boami, I know. It's amazing. You never know. He's very un-
0: unpredictable.
1: He's right there with Jim Rome.
0: On Mount Rushmore.
1: Yeah. <laughs> of CBS Sports Radio. I agree. Radio. He's I agree. right there.
0: Doesn't mean you should do a Sports Minute, though. That's... Here we go. The three. It is
3: now time for the three. We get you caught up on the three biggest headlines of the day with Taz and the Moose. Number one. Yankees versus Astros ALCS game four tonight.
1: It is postponed last night. Wind, rain, nasty weather. There's power outages all throughout the tri-state area. Uh, where Andrew and I are doing the show here on this Thursday morning. So they did not chance it. Manfred canceled it yesterday right around 11 o'clock Eastern time yesterday morning. No game four last night. You'll have a game four tonight, a game five tomorrow night. So you get the off day on a Wednesday instead of the off day on a Friday. Now you'll play four consecutive nights in a row. Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night. Pitching matchups have changed as well. Tanaka and Granky tonight. Verlander and Paxton on Friday night. Astros lead the series two games to one. Still no word on whether Giancarlo stands available for just pinch hitting duties or if he'll be back in the lineup. Aaron Boone was asked that yesterday on WFAN locally in New York by Mike Francesa. Uh, He said we're kind of taking it day by day, hour by hour, paraphrasing there, but uh, the Astros with a 2-1 series lead here. I don't know you can you can debate and argue who the off day and the timing of Wednesdays rain out. Who does it help? Uh, you know, the Yankees are still good after whether it be in New York or whether it be in Houston or on the moon. To win the series, at some point, you got to beat Verlander and Cole. Um, and Verlander now goes on Friday night in game five instead of what was supposed to be initially Saturday night, game six, back in Houston.
0: I'll answer your question. It, it helps the Yankees today to have Tanaka up there, but you're right. The the bottom line is they've got to figure out a way, and they haven't just yet, to get through Cole and Verlin, and they're playing from behind now. And, and at the very simplest of math formations here, Moose, they've got to now beat a really good baseball team three times in four games. And that's straight asking a lot of a Yankee team. Um, and two of those games are also the last two are going to be in Houston. You're definitely going to see Verlander again in Game 5. And then depending on how things go, it's Cole on Saturday or Cole most likely on Sunday. If, by the way, we even get back to Houston. Um, so, yeah, this is uh, – I wish they played last night. I, I you know, I think that it's not the hugest of issues. But I would, I, I wouldn't love if we got to a Game 7, Moose, on Sunday, which would be great in theory – But the four games in four days, if it affects somebody somehow and makes somebody unavailable, it's not the greatest thing in the world. I would prefer to still have that off day, let everybody reset and be relatively good to go. You know, if you run yourself into the ground, I got no issues. But Mother Nature creeping in here, messing things up, maybe a little bit would be slightly annoying.
1: Yeah, and the thing that would be the argument is if the Yankees don't get depth from the starters, and they really haven't at any point in this series or in the postseason, that – That that bullpen by, say, game seven, if it should get there, uh, would be very, very taxed up until that point in time. Because at some point in time, the Yankees are going to have to have a bullpen game. You know, maybe it ends up being game six, uh, you know, back in Houston. If they're able to win one of the next two games and the Astros don't eliminate them in the Bronx or... Uh, you know, they can't avoid it because they don't have enough starting pitching. So at some point, that bullpen is going to be even used even more, and it's been used a lot up until this point
0: in time. And then there's the really, you know, there's a lot of victims in last night's rainout out, I want to give a quick little thought and prayer to Indiana and Maryland men's soccer, as well as Illinois and Wisconsin women's volleyball. Now, they were sca- they're were they playing tomorrow. They were scheduled scheduled to be on Big Ten Network. However, because now that there was no game last night, and now there's a game on Friday night that needs to be on FS1. Ohio State Northwestern football goes from FS1 to Big Ten Network, knocking those soccer oh, and volleyball man. games off of Big Ten Network. Now they're on FS2, which I didn't even know existed. I don't know if anybody could watch those games. If they need a play-by-play game available. But that being said, you know there are some losers in this, and it's certainly those two or those four schools and their men's soccer and women's volleyball programs. Uh, yeah, Fox Sports too. I haven't heard about that in a while. Who knew? Yeah, that's it. But again, like Mike can give you my phone number. There is the trickle down effect. I've worked both soccer and volleyball. Oh, you should get involved. Spikes digs. I got it all for you, Moose. There you go. Very nice. Well, you're very well Yes. You know what a libero is? No. I bet, Mom you... Moose. What's a libero? It's uh, one of the positions in volleyball. If you watch volleyball, there's there'll always be a player in like the opposite jersey of his his or her team. Yes. Like if you're all wearing blue, I might have white on or vice yeah, that's versa. That's not the captain? No, no, no. That's the libero. that's a, a particular position that has has a roamer? Rover? Kind of, yeah, kinda of, in the very simplest form and the substitution rules are different. Really? Yeah. I had yeah. no idea. That's the go. libero? That's a libero. L-I-B-E-R-O. No idea. You're I welcome. just learned something. You're welcome. I'm That's in the I'm house of the,
1: the Professor Andrew bowes You know what? In
0: fact, make that your alternate sports minute. About the libero. I announced the libero to him. I learned this earlier this week, America, so now I'm going to give it to you here on a Friday afternoon. Uh, listen, libero. There, maybe I will tomorrow. <laughs> uh, they will light up the nation. What are our options? Bawami or a minute on Libero? All right, right let's do the Let's do let's the do one. <laughs> Bawami it is. All right, next.
3: Number two. Joe Madden agrees to be new manager of the LA Angels.
1: Yeah, 65 years of age. What was he with the Angels franchise? I mean, for like 30 years? Yeah, I guess uh, as a
0: player and then yeah, a coach? Okay. Uh,
1: right. He's. I mean, he was there for a long, long time. So he goes back to the Angels franchise. Um, he was. Uh, very good with the Rays. Won a championship with the uh, World Series title with the Chicago Cubs. They were done with him. His contract runs out. Now he signs a three-year deal, reportedly any worth anywhere between twelve and fifteen million dollars with the Angels to manage that team moving forward. He was the best guy out there. Um, you know, he, I think he's the best, better manager than Joe Girardi. But I do think Girardi's close to Madden. And the Angels get a guy that clearly they wanted because immediately upon the news that he was no longer going to manage the Chicago Cubs, uh, the Angels fired Brad Ausmus and began basic I know they interviewed four other candidates, but Madden was the guy that everyone thought he was going to end up there. And he ends up there. Just
0: get me. It's a good hire. Yeah, it's a good hire. Um, It's a a nice chunk of change for Joe Madden. It makes all the sense in the world. You and I both think very highly of him. The job now is to make, you know, make, have Mike Trout play important games in September and October. And and that also takes the GM and ownership, spending, and trades and fixing this roster and a very under discussed story that I don't know how it's actually going to play out in terms of, you know, what the organization might have to deal with punishment wise or look like afterwards. But um, just, uh, you know, so, th- first of all, just the death of Tyler Skaggs, but now the very troubling details of how he died and why he died and, and how they're deep within the organization and who knew and who didn't know and how bad this drug problem is for that team and for baseball. There's a lot going on there, but when it comes just to baseball, they've got the resources to make that team better, let Madden manage it, and get me Mike Trout as close to the postseason as possible. All right, number three. Number three. Roger Goodell speaks at the Fall League meetings in Florida.
1: Yeah, a couple of different things. Number one, they want a 17 game schedule. The NFL owners do. That's going to be new to, uh, part of the collecting uh, the new CBA talks here moving forward, right? Uh, eliminate a preseason game. Uh, add uh, additional two teams to the playoffs. Go from 12 to 14 teams. Um, and then the the whole idea of the officiating. Um, you know, he kind of had the you know head in the sand. I mean, realizing that it's. It's a difficult job, but also not making as big of a deal about it as we all are making about it, which was the, the message from the NFL commissioner. And I get it. Listen, do you want to run around and say the house is on fire? I want to say nothing to see here? I mean, you know, and if you're the NFL, ratings are up. People are watching. People are gambling. Uh, you know, even people are locked into the Thursday night affair. So the NFL aren't necessarily seeing it right now and saying, oh, we've got this big of an issue because people are still watching the game.
0: We didn't mention what he said about Antonio Brown earlier. We did not. Now, I'll say this. They're not listening. They're not going to care. But please, NFL, don't make me have to say something in defense of Antonio Brown. He deserves next to nothing for whether it's normal football nonsense or the serious allegations off the field. But at the very least, just make sure that he's getting his due process in the NFL world in terms of timing. Now, we were first told that he was the one not making himself available to the NFL investigators, but if the NFL is kind of dragging its feet here and slow playing this to almost like pseudo-suspend him before actually suspending Can't him. Can't be doing that. Right. So figure this out as soon as possible, then drop the hammer, then move on. Him staying in limbo, again, he doesn't deserve much, but at some point he does deserve to at least know what in his fate is. In a timely fashion. Right. So just make somehow make this happen.
1: Uh, I Listen, I, I don't, uh, Andrew, I don't disagree with you. You believe any of the rumors about the Pats intrigued about Antonio Brown?
0: I believe that teams want Antonio Brown. I believe Drew Rosenhaus the morning after the Pats got rid of him that he said multiple teams have already checked in. I know that we know it. I mean, it just yeah. history tells you the only person that has not gotten work again is Colin Kaepernick. Everybody else has at least gotten a second chance to get back in the NFL, even though they don't even come close to deserving it, and he did and does. But that being said, yes, somebody, at least one team, is chomping at the bit to know what his status is so they can think about actually putting him on, on the roster. And maybe that's
1: why the NFL is dragging its feet a little bit because they know Probably. that, they understand it, and they don't want to deal with the headache of Antonio Brown being back in the league.
0: Which is amazing that they have to save their teams from
1: their own demise in this instance. So there you have it. Your big three storylines here on this Thursday morning. It's Taz and the Moose Bogus is in the house. we got the undercard coming your way next. The stories we did not hit upon. Whether we forgot or maybe we didn't think they were that good enough or maybe Viseglia missed the boat on some of them. Well, we'll get to all that more next. It's CBS Sports Radio.
3: It's Taz and the Moose on CBS Sports Radio. You're
1: listening to Taz and the Moose on CBS Sports Radio. Oh, it's been an action-packed Thursday morning. Remember, to check out the podcast, download it, um, and you can uh, download Apple Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, Radio.com, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, do it each and every day. We certainly appreciate it. Our thanks to David Deal, who joined us earlier on this hour. Brian Wilson from CBS Sports and CBS Sports HQ. He's all over the place, covering the National Football League. He joined Andrew and myself, hour number two. Who you like tonight? Yankees-Strohs, Bogish. I think the Yankees, I'll give you my answer first. Uh, I think the
0: Yankees (laughs) even up the series at two games apiece. Who do you like? Uh, I think the Yankees win the game tonight, unfortunately. But I I don't think that they win because they knock around Zach Greinke. Uh, I don't know why I have this weird confidence in him. I think he's fine. I think Tanaka's a little bit better. uh, And I think maybe the deciding run or the kind of the put-away run comes off the Astro bullpen Uh, the wind, the last thing I saw, the wind's going to be blowing out to left field tonight. I don't know what your thoughts are in terms of kind of changing the final score, but I think this one actually is kind of low-scoring, well-played, maybe like a 4-1 or a 4-2 Yankee win
1: tonight. Yeah, I think the over-under number is eight. So I I think i agree with you. I think it's probably going to be under eight runs. Um, I I hope Greinke pitches well. He gets a lot of slack for a guy that's had a really good major league career. He really has. And I understand the social anxiety and... You know, and, and everything, and he's dealt with a lot. Um, he really has, uh, and he's had a really good career. I hope Granke pitches well today, uh, or tonight, I should say, and I, I hope him and Tanaka both pitch well, and then you get into those bullpens. Hopefully we get a nice, close, kind of uh, electrifying, edge-of-your-seat kind of baseball game where you get a clutch hit late that decides it, but I do think the Yankees come out victorious.
0: But then I do think the Astros, with Verlander, win game five I'd and agree go back with that. to Houston
1: 3-2. I'd agree with that. I think the Yankees are in a little bit of trouble If they go back to Houston down three games to two, they're not getting out of Houston alive.
0: We're going to get to a conversation where you're going to look back at what could have or should have been. I mean, you win game one, you knock around Granke, Torres has the great game, you've got all the momentum, you get to game two, and that game is 2-2 for five innings basically, and it was a winnable game, you didn't win it, Nope. you had a chance to get maybe just one hit early against Cole in game three changes the entire dynamic of that game. You know, they shouldn't have been up two oh, but they had a chance to be up two oh. Like there's a there's an ocean of difference between as the road team losing game one, yep. winning game two yep. to get the split, then to win game one and have game two be there and not get it. You almost come home disappointed when you really shouldn't be, but the way things played out, you know, they were they were to only win one of those first three games Put the Yanks in a spot that I think in the end they just they can't climb out of.
1: I don't disagree with that. And the other thing, Andrew, that you know Verlander, as gettable as Verlander and Cole can be, they were gettable in their first two starts in this series. I mean, and not saying that they didn't pitch their way out of jams, and not that they're not gamers and unbelievable starting pitchers, but they were not quintessential. Verlander and Cole performances, you had so many opportunities against both of those pitchers to come through with the clutch hit. They just could not find a way to get it.
0: And it's hard to think that they pitched like that again, especially Cole. I agree.
1: I agree. And I I don't even say Verlander. I mean, I think Verlander, you know, Yankees are going to foul off 29 pitches against Justin Verlander Friday night. Right. I mean, that's what they did in his initial starting game, too. I I just don't see. He wasn't getting the swings and misses. Now he's coming back on full rest because – That also was a starting game, too, after he just had a start in Tampa on three days rest. Right. So maybe now with now the extended rest, back-to-back starts on regular. With him here, there, anywhere, he's going to pitch well. Yes, I totally agree with you. Um, All right, let's get to it. Here we go, the undercard.
3: Taz and the Moose present... The Undercard. The stories from today's rundown that we haven't talked about on the show. All right, Mike, what do we got here?
1: All right, today is National Pasta Day. Uh, What is your favorite type of pasta dish? Uh, I like, I call it cavatelli. Uh, My wife goes, Uh, (laughs) cavadils. So, uh, I would say, I would say, uh, Gava deals with like a little red sauce.
0: Uh, I'm on, I've been on a big kick of like some kind of braised short rib, braised meat. Oh! On like the long, wide noodles. I don't know what they're called. The like tagliatelle. I guess maybe. Genie. No, like it's like really fat, flat spaghetti. They're all, um, and it's just, just like, it's just soft and like comforting and rich and meaty and the sauce. It's just, it's delicious. All right, what do you, you got? You can tell being? them about
1: Italian,
3: huh? A little fusilli with a little meat sauce.
1: All right, uh, Biseglia, lo mein. All right, the original pasta. The original oh, pasta. I, I, I gotta be honest, uh, Mike's always going off the chart, uh, off the tracks. I mean, we're talking about Italian dishes, and I love lo mein. You look out like lo more than chow fun. Oh, that's a good call too. The flat wide. I like chow fun more than lo mein. Fair. I think it's close. A good low main solid it will set you right. Focus. good job last three days, brother. Thank you, Moose. Uh, a little under the weather you are. Appreciate it. Uh, Mike, Pete, fantastic deal. And uh, Ryan Wilson for joining us earlier on the program. Thanks for everyone tuning in. Enjoy the rest of your Thursday, everybody. Till tomorrow. Peace.
3: There's got to be a 10-second runoff here.